Praise God. We want to um, uh, kind of pull this to a close, uh, the attributes of uh, Christianity, being a real Christian. And so uh, just a couple of moments to kind of pull your mind together. What are, how can you tell if someone's a Christian and do you have the right to, and why do you have the right to? So how can you tell if someone's a Christian? What are some of the, um, the marks, the attributes, the, anyone? Pardon? Okay, lifestyle. Uh, what do you mean by that? Okay. And so, uh, uh, someone else. Their appetite, the things they, uh, they hunger. Okay, they have a different appetite. They will, they will hunger for different things. What else? Okay, uh, what else? Several things. If uh, you have a new nature, you can identify species by qualities of life. Who else? Nick. Okay, how you speak, amen, is, is critical to your nature. Amen. Uh, cats don't bark. Amen. Right? And horses don't cluck. And so you can tell the species by the, the words they speak. Um, you can tell them uh, uh, by their appetites. Um, they have a different appetite. What else? Anything else? Minds and gate. Let's go, Paul. Who you associate, who you associate okay. with. Okay. Uh, who you relate to. Who's dangerous to you and who's not. Uh, it, it, this is true in all species of life. Um, uh, you have uh, enemies um, and uh, this is determined by your nature. The Bible says you have a new, the new nature of Christ Jesus is in you. When you get saved, you're born again. God deposits his nature in you. That's called conversion, a new birth. Um, uh, he takes, you become the temple of God. Um, uh, he takes up residence in you. And when he's in there, uh, there's a new nature. And so uh, what else, Josh? The environment that you put yourself in. Okay, you have a different environment. Uh, fish have to live in water. And so all of these, um, uh, you have a new appetite. Um, uh, th- there'll be new associations. Um, uh, there'll be a new language. Um, uh, there'll be new uh, environment. Uh, and so uh, what gives us the right then to judge if someone's a Christian or not? Okay, Word of God. Give me some Word of God. Okay, you'll know them by... And what does the Bible say about fruits? Tree can bear bad fruit. You know, bad tree can bear good fruit. Okay, you're going to know if, if you're saved, born again, there's going to be some good fruit there. Jesus over and over talked about this. Uh, there's going to be some fruit. Um, there's going to be some evidence. Um, and so uh, we have a right to look at that. And every one of you here, you do that in all of life. When you go buy a car, uh, you know, you don't look at a Volkswagen and let them sell your Mercedes. Uh, you're stupid if you do. Amen. And, uh, uh, you, you know, I mentioned last week, you know, that I played for the Phoenix Suns the night before. And was on the court, scored 30 points, had 18 rebounds, 5 assists. And, and you all start laughing. Uh, well, why? You're judging me. And, uh, you know, but, but that all of life we do that unless it comes to God and all of a sudden it's like we have this blank check um, that all, uh, you start witness to someone, they got a beer in one hand, they're squeezed on the other hand, 
And uh, all of us, oh, yeah, I'm saved. I know the Lord. Well, you know, I question that. And so uh, uh, you must understand uh, this is a major issue today. And we begin to move through the fruit. Um, and we got into um, uh, you cannot be a Christian if there's no fruit. That's just the bottom line. And uh, that fruit, uh, the Bible talks about fruit unto holiness. Um, and um, what that means is you become, the longer you're saved, the further you should be removed from sin and works of the flesh. Now, what's the problem? Okay, you're, let's say you're con- Benny got saved, he got converted, Jesus came inside by the Holy Spirit, um, he got baptized in water, filled with the Holy Ghost, um, uh, he's reading his Bible, coming to church, serving God. Um, beating on that uh, bass up there, you know, or guitar, or whatever, and carrying on, and so. Uh, but what's the problem? What's it, what's the battle? What what's the crisis? Okay, the flesh isn't dead. Now here and here's the major battle. Uh, we're converted. We're saved. We're born again. Uh, Christ has come in. We have His new nature, but your old flesh is still living. And your flesh has what? Your flesh has appetites. Your flesh has desires. Uh, And its appetite and its desire uh, has already been set by the world. How many ever tried to change your diet? (laughs) How many won? (laughs) Look at Bill. Bill, Bill. Hey, man. And... uh, and so I, I go overseas sometimes and take a team with me, and I laugh at these people, man. Uh, it's like, you know, because the different food all of a sudden, uh, they, they don't want to eat. They don't want a new diet, okay? And uh, because they want what they're accustomed to. And the Asians, when they come here, they, they, you know, I get calls sometimes, hey, they got a fire going in their motel room. They're cooking rice, okay? They're, the craving's on them. And so, and so here we are this morning, um, if you're saved, if you're born again, you have a new nature. We gave you a lot of scriptures on that. The old things have passed away, all things have become uh, new. The nature of Christ has now taken up residence in you, and you're going to have a new vocabulary. You can tell what something is by what comes out of its mouth. Amen. And as I said earlier, you know, uh, dogs don't me- meow if they do something strangely wrong. And so you're going to have a new environment. Uh, fish is perfectly comfortable and safe in water. Take it out. Um, uh, you're going to have a new appetite. Um, uh, you're going to have new association. Your, your people you run with are going to be different because there are certain people that are dangerous to this new person that's born again. Now the battle is, we talked about this, The demonic strategy will be simply to try to nudge you into an environment that you're not safe. Or into an association that's spiritual, um, it's lethal to you. You follow me? Or try to bring words out of your mouth that are not of the new nature. And so this begins to happen. Um, And so here is the problem, as we mentioned. You're born again, you're saved, um, new nature, Christ living in you, but the flesh is not dead. And so we went through Romans 6 and that. 
The flesh and spirit war one against the other. So when I would do good, evil is present with me. That which I would do, I don't do. And this struggle and this war and this battle and this agony. I want to serve God. I want to. And so how are you going to be victorious? What's going to make the difference? Stace. Okay, you got to deny the flesh and more, a little more. What else? Okay, the one you feed the most. And, uh, and so uh, along with, you're going to have to develop a new appetite. And you're going to have to quench the old appetite. A lot of people want to lose weight, you know. Uh, I want to lose weight myself. I saw an old friend of mine. He, first thing I was, I hadn't seen him in 20 years. My, you have gained weight. I thought I was doing pretty good. He, he, he remembered I was 160 pounds and uh, had a 15-inch neck. And uh, now, you know, my, I, I got uh, fat wrinkles that are 15. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, um, the difficulty is twofold. It, one, you have to sustain and kill the old appetite. I may ever had a craving, middle of the night, and you're dreaming of Snickers bars. It's funny, uh, when the, uh, Connie got pregnant, you know, years ago, but they crave stuff uh, at the oddest hours. They want you to get up in the middle of the night and fetch pickles, and, you know, I, this one lady told me she craved dirt while she's pregnant. And I, and I said, no problem with that. There's a lot of that. But uh, these cravings come on, um, and they're very demanding. Well, you have your flesh. Um, your flesh has developed an appetite for its world and out of this world. You get saved. God begins to put in you the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has a spiritual appetite. The Holy Spirit living in you, that new man, he wants to come to church. Read the word of God. Pray. He wants to listen and be around godly things. He wants to talk about Jesus. Um, he wants to worship. He wants to whip that new But the old flesh, old flesh wants uh, rice and beans or something, you know, or whatever. It, it's crying out. It's been developed from birth. That appetite's been cultivated from birth. Uh, that appetite, that craving from birth is there. And so what you must do if you're going to live in victory, you have to harness, um, you have to restrain that old appetite um, and develop the new. This is the battle of flesh and spirit. And I can measure your victory, maybe not today, but in a year from now, or two years, five years, I can measure the amount of victory you're going to have by what you're feeding on today. Simple as that. Okay? So, in view of that, let's turn to Daniel chapter 1. Daniel chapter 1. If you'd turn there with me. I want to talk a little bit about this strategy 
and maybe we can finish on the fruit of holiness. I got a couple of videos I want to show in Sunday school. One's on AIDS, uh, come out of South Africa, I believe. I haven't previewed it yet, but I hear it's incredible. And the other is on the Muslim religion, Islam. And so I want to show these probably in Sunday school, uh, two different settings. And so we're going to shift gears. We're wanting to do something on prophecy uh, in a week or so. And so if you'd pray with me about that. But in Daniel 1, we have something very interesting has happened. We have the people of God. These are Jewish people. They've been overrun by the enemy. The reason they've been overrun is because of their rebellion and their disobedience and their idolatry. They've been taken captive and now they're taken down to Babylon. And it's interesting to me as I was reading this along with our Sunday school, the strategy against these young men, their identity as the people of God is the same strategy that we see today. So I need someone to read for me uh, uh, Daniel, um, uh, uh, let me start. Daniel 1, um, uh, verse number 3. If someone would get that for me. Uh, Reuben, if you get that for me. And then I need uh, uh, Stephen, Daniel 1, 4. And then I probably need someone else also to repeat that again. David, Daniel 1, 4. And then I need Daniel 1, 5. Uh, who will get that for me? Uh, Jason, Daniel 1, 5. Uh, and then uh, verse Daniel 1, 8. Fred, uh, if you'd get that um, uh, for me. And so uh, let, let's work through this. Um, um, Daniel 1, 3. Then the king instructed Asphanaz, the master of, of his eunuchs, to bring some of his children of Israel and some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles. Okay, these are the king's descendants. That's what you are. If you're saved, you're born again. You are of the seed of the king of kings and the lord of lords. Okay, we've, are you with me? In other words, if you're converted, if you're a child of God, um, uh, you know, you heard the term years ago, probably king's kids and all that kind of stuff. Um, but there is a truth um, that you're born again. Uh, there's a spiritual royal blood flowing through you. Now watch this strategy. This is not an in-your-face, frontal, punch-you-in-the-eye strategy from hell. How many of you know about those strategies? It's obvious. It's frontal. It's, it's smack you in the face and etc. But watch what happens here uh, as this begins to, to transpire um, uh, and begin to move um, uh, forward. Verse number four. Children in whom was no blemish, well favored and skillful in all wisdom and cunning in knowledge and understanding sciences and such as had ability in them to stand in the king's palace and whom they might teach the learning and the tongue of the Chaldeans. Okay, I want to come back to that. I need someone to get for me verse number seven. Uh, who'll get for me verse number seven? Uh, uh, Robert, if you get for me, Daniel 1 verse 7. To them, the chief of the eunuchs gave names. He gave Daniel the name of Belshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, 
Mishael, Meshach, and to Zerariah, Abednego. Okay. And so one of the things um, that happens, he tries to change their identity by changing their name. In other words, uh, if you want to know who, know who you are, look at your driver's license most of the time. Amen. Okay. And so when you're saved and born again, hell wants you to forget who you are. And so the strategy will be against identity. And these name changes, um, they had names um, that referred to the God Jehovah of Israel. He changed his name from God is my judge to the treasures of Baal. He changed his name from the grace of our God to inspired um, uh, of the um, uh, Syrian goddess. He changed his name from be strong in God to perversion of gods. And so here, this is a very subtle attack. Um, Hell wants to mar or stain or change your identity. You follow me? You get saved. Your identity is in Christ Jesus. You're a child of God. There's royal seed been planted in you by the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Your identity is critical. If hell can steal, if hell can rob, if it can mar your identity as a child of God, hell has won a major victory. Because that's going to affect um, where you go, how you live, your conduct and everything. And so um, uh, hell will always try to give you its identity. That's what sin. Sin um, marks you with its identity. And that's why sometimes you'll hear people make, oh, he's a drugger. Yeah, he's a loser. Or they'll make some, some he's a con. Or he, you know, they'll make some kind of statement um, And what they are is they're saying your identity is by the sin and the God you serve and your flesh. You follow me? And so when you get saved, you need to understand who you are. I may preach this morning on the blood and and help you with that. The second thing, if you could read verse 4 again. It says, young man in whom there was no blemish, but good looking gifted in all wisdom, possessing knowledge and quick to understanding, who had uh, the ability to serve in the king's palace and whom they may teach the language and literature of the Chaldeans. Okay, they're wanting to change their language. And so this is the very thing we're talking about. If you're saved, you have a certain language. How many of you know the world has a language? When I got saved, I got a new language. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is more than just speaking in tongues. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is where now the Spirit of God has control of your tongue. This means you're not going, uh, you can, uh, one of the frustrating people can speak it. This is what James said. How can sweet water and bitter come out of that same fountain? With it you worship, praise God. And then you backbite or criticize or slander your brother or gossip. He said that should not be. 
And so one of the marks of a born-again person is your language, your tongue, what you speak, how you talk about people, what you say about God, what you say about life. Do you speak faith? Do you speak hope? Do you speak redemption? Do you speak encouragement? Do you speak forgiveness? Or are you constantly griping and backbiting and slandering and criticizing and, and, and causing hate and bitter, sowing seeds with your tongue? He, here, the, if they are going to remove these men from the God Jehovah, the living God, they're going to have to change their identity and they're going to give them a new language. You're going to have battles in all of these arenas. You're going to battle what you say. Probably the greatest battle is in the tongue. It's what James said. We can uh, uh, tame beasts of the sea and, and, and all of these things. And, and who can tame the tongue? <clears throat> and he talks about the influence. It's like a spark that can cause a forest fire. A poison a pool and all of those things. Um, but here it's interesting um, that they said it, it, he, this king had wisdom. He said, if we're going to make them Babylonians, we're going to have to give them our language. Or they will never. And so they also, uh, in that text, 1 verse 4. Uh, did, some, did I give two people four? If, if both of them read it already? Okay, literature. He said literature. And in those days, your literature uh, was what was set before your eyes. It was what you studied. It had to do with their philosophies. It was what you read. It had the thought of what your mind is going to embrace. And so again, we see this demonic strategy before... They probably read the Word of God. Um, uh, they read uh, the, uh, the Jewish tradition. Um, uh, they read the Jewish statutes, the commandments of God, the Old Testament prophets, these various things. Um, this was their literature. And now they're going to change their literature. And if they can, they will change their mind. So I can measure... Your Christianity and its victory and future effectiveness by these things, by your identity. This is why it always concerns me. And someone's living for God and they come in and all of a sudden their attire has changed. They want to look like a street thug. One of the ways you can tell people get saved. They quit, you know, they're not worried so much about impressing the world anymore. They're not wearing all the, the stuff from the street. But you watch somebody backslide and what's one of the first things they do? Or what they listened to today, if, if it would have been in those days, it would have been just what they, uh, their literature, but it would have probably talked about what they listened to. It would have talked, uh, covered a whole media range. But your victory is going to be determined by, as a child of God by these aspects. This is a demonic strategy. You watch people. When they backslide, what, what they talk about begin. Used to, they want to talk about God and the things of God, ministry. And, and, the, and now all of a sudden, what happens? Their, their vocabulary, uh, not some, their language begins to change. Now all of a sudden, now they begin to want to talk about things of the world. This is a demonic a strategy. Uh, their literature has to do with their mind, their language, uh, 
And then in uh, uh, chapter 1, verse 5. And the king appointed for them a daily provision of the king's delicacies and of the wine which he drank, and three years of training for them, so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Okay, uh, 1, verse 8. But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portions of the king's meat, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, we, therefore he requested of the prince of the eunuchs that he, may, he might not defile himself. Okay, here, so these are the very things we've been talking about. Now he wants to change their diet. He says, I want you to eat from my table. I want you to eat of the king's delicacies. And I, I preached on this sermon some time ago. Can't remember which one it was. But um, what this was, what Barclay and everyone said, uh, what this was, was if they partook of this, it had the ability to ignite appetites for the world is the thought in the Hebrew, this king's delicacy. And this is from his table. We're not talking about uh, baloney here. Amen. We're talking about, hey, you can eat from my table. And then the other thought was this is meat that had been offered to idols. But either way, it's very powerful here that these men, Daniel said, no, he said, I'm not going to defile myself by my appetite. I'm not going to defile myself, my convictions, my godly walk, my revelation. I'm not going to defile it um, uh, by what I partake of. Eat your vegetables. Yeah, that's, what, that's what he says, actually. You, how many like vegetables? Praise the Lord. Okay. I won't have to read it, but... But anyway, that's, that's what he says there. Uh, uh, and, so, and so your appetite is very powerful. It, it has to do with cravings. We talked about that. And so Numbers 11, uh, if you turn there, I need uh, Numbers 11, 4 through 6. Who will get that for me? Numbers 11, verse 4 through 6. Uh, Eric, and then I need Numbers 11, verse 10. Uh, Who will get that for me? Uh, 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 buddy, and then Numbers eleven thirty one through 33. And so what this is talking about, see, we're talking about developing your appetite for the things of God and maintaining that, that, that hunger for the things of God as opposed to the world. This is the battle. You're going to have to win the battle of your tongue. Okay, listen to me. If you do not, you will have a hard time maintaining victory. Amen. Because James says your tongue is, sets the course of life. It's like the bits in a horse's mouth. It's like the rudder of a ship where you're going to be tomorrow is linked to what you're saying today. Sets the course, sets your future. Who you're going to be tomorrow. And so you're going to have to win the victory over your tongue. You're going to have to win the victory uh, over the literature, what you allow to be put in your mind. 
You're going to have to win the victory over your identity. And you're going to have to win the victory over your appetite. Hell will... This is not normally a frontal attack. This is very subtle. This can be over a process of time. And it looks very appealing. Numbers 11, 4 through 6. And the mixed multitude that was among them fell a lusting. And the children of Israel also wept again and said, Who shall give us flesh to eat? We remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, the cucumbers and the melons and the leeks and the onions and the garlic. But now our soul is dried away. There is nothing at all besides this manna before our eyes. Okay, and so, so think of this. Here's the people of God. This is the very battle we're talking about. God's feeding them with manna from heaven. They've been living in Egypt 400 years. Okay. They have developed an appetite. Egypt's a type of the world for the flesh and meat. Now this is, the uh, scholars say it had kind of a honey flavor to it. Uh, <coughs> sesame seed honey kind of flavor uh, wafer. And they're eating this and they begin to, to wail. Now, now think of it. Read verse number 10. <coughs> Excuse me. Then Moses heard the people wept through their families, every man in the door of his tent, and the anger of the Lord was greatly kindled. Moses also was displeased. They're weeping over what they're eating. They're crying. I mean, it's a wail. You walk by their house, they're wailing in there. For meat, this tells you the power of your appetite. How many know the power of your flesh? Ever fasted? They're weeping and wailing and crying out for something that God delivered them from. We want flesh. We want leeks. We want God. We want something out of the world. And not only that, you your appetite for the world will always say what God's feeding you stinks. What is this? Manna! Everywhere, every day. Manna, 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 manna. What did the Bible say? Jesus was the manna that came down from heaven. He was the Word made flesh and dwelt among us. And so if you cultivate and you start crying out and let this appetite of your flesh run wild for the world... Pretty soon, you will be disgusted and begin to despise what God's feeding you. You'll have no appetite for it. This has to do with prayer, has to do with the Word of God, has to do with preaching, has to do with church, has to do with witness. You'll begin to be tainted. And this really does upset God. Verse 31 through 33. And, and there went forth a wind from the Lord and brought quails from the sea and let them fall by the camp as it was a day's journey on this side and as it was a day's journey on the other side, round about the camp, and it was were two, two cubits high upon the face of the earth. Now, and the people stood up all that day and all the night and all the next day, and they gathered the quails. He gathered at least gathered ten homers, and they spread them all abroad themselves around about the camp. And while the flesh was yet between their teeth, ear was chewed, the wrath of the Lord was kindled against the people. 
And the Lord smote the people with a very great plague. And he called the name of the place, is it, I don't know, how about, that's a big word. Because they were buried, the people that lusted. Okay, and so God was upset with it. So listen, listen. Uh, your identity, your identity as a child of God can be measured by your appetite. Say, so how do I know I'm saved? Because there's something in you that desires the things of God, your appetite. You can tell the species of something many times very much by what it eats. You can measure your spirituality, your Christianity, by the words you speak, your language. If you're a Christian, you ought to talk different. And you're going to have battles in these areas. You can tell you're a Christian by your environment. This is a spiritual environment. You desire to be here. You want to be here. You enjoy being here in the house of God with the people of God. You can tell you're a Christian by who you hang with, who you fellowship with. This is true of species. Amen. You don't see snakes hanging out with horses. Amen. I mean, there's different species. And so all of these are true. Stacy, you want to say something? Um, I was just, when, when it comes to appetite and desires, I think that as Christians, we can't be duped in believe, into believing that simply coming to church will automatically uh, develop an appetite in you for the things of God. Because I was raised around people who went to church, but their appetite lasted about as long as a church service. Yep. And when the church service ended, I remember going outside and they're popping the trunk. They had uh, coolers full of beer and they drink and stuff and do all kinds of stuff. So um, people have to understand that you have to really uh, develop an appetite for the things of God. So at the same time you're acquiring and developing a taste for the things of God, you have to be starving your flesh at the same time. So it's kind of a dual thing happening in your life. Yeah, it, and, and you know, the old, you've heard these sayings, you know, going to McDonald's don't make you a hamburger. Going to the house of God don't make you a Christian. You must be born again. You have to be converted. And the, and the reason that I did this lesson is because you see so many people today that go to the house of God, uh, and uh, and yet, as, as Stacy said, as soon as they step outside, you never know they're saved. I think as Hector and Nicole, when they came back from the East Coast, he was sharing with me that kind of triggered this. He's talking to a family member, and uh, maybe it was Nicole's family. I can't. Was it your? Was it, yeah, Hector's not that. Wasn't none of my family. Her family, <laughs> and um, uh, her aunt, I believe it was. And she's shacking up with this guy and yet tell him how the Lord was leading her and uh, she to a foreign country. And she's going to minister. And, be, and yet she's, you know, and, and so that's the difficulty that we have. I, I might add, just so that I kind of touched on it in passing, your dress, uh, how you, uh, your clothing, again, uh, is a mark of Christianity. Uh, here, um, uh, no doubt they wanted to change how they dress. You go to foreign countries and their attire is different many times. Um, and, and, and what's acceptable there and modern there and worldly there and all that. And so uh, a modesty is a mark of Christianity. Modesty and uh, 
so you uh, you take that for what it's worth. That means you, everything's not hanging out everywhere. Amen. We're not afraid for you to go to the altar <laughs> and bend over. Whoa! You know. <laughs> but anyway, you know. But um, it it has to it has to do uh, that marks you. You know. Um, a few weeks ago, uh, I think it was on Saturday night, I think Dave Eccles was with me. There was a couple pulled up in the parking lot. Who interpreted for us? Who was that interpreted? Was that, uh, uh, was that Francisco? Or who was that? This couple pulled up. They were looking for the party. And Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Remember, remember uh, uh, Delia, I think, they're looking for the party. And I, I kind of leaned over by this uh, truck, man. I said, whoa, man, <laughs> this girl was going to party. I, I mean, I'd hate for it to have been my wife. And, uh, and uh, they were, uh, Delia finally came, and they, they, were, they were looking for the party. And it was very evident they were looking to party. And so uh, let's grab just a couple of three scriptures uh, uh, quickly. The fruit is holiness. The fruit is holiness. We've talked about a lot of, lot of things uh, that the Bible declares because you have a new nature, but the fruit is holiness. Galatians 5, uh, 19 through 25. Who will get that for me quickly? Uh, quickly, we need to run through these. Galatians 5, anybody? Ken LeBlanc, you get that. Galatians 5, 19 through 25. 1 Corinthians 6, 6 through 10. Uh, Mary, we'll make it a, a marriage thing here. Amen. Uh, and then Ephesians 4, uh, 17 through uh, 24. Who'll get that? Uh, let's get someone else. Uh, uh, Mikhail, Ephesians 4, 17. So let's read these quickly. Galatians 5, 19 through 25. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of which I tell you before, as I have also told you in times past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, he's talking about the flesh. He said, this is the fruit of the flesh. When you see these things, you're not right with God. That's the fruit of the flesh. I did a series years ago on each one of these. 1 Corinthians 6, 6 through 10. <coughs> But brother goeth to law with brother, 6, 6 to 10. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6, 6 through 10, I hope. But brother goeth to law with brother, and that before the unbelievers. Now therefore there is utterly a fault among you, because ye go to law with one another. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 2 6. Corinthians 6, 6 through 10. By pureness, by knowledge, by long suffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and and dishonor by evil report and good report as deceivers and yet true as unknown and yet well known as dying and behold we live as chastised chastened and not killed as sorrowful yet always rejoicing as poor yet making many rich as having nothing and yet possessing all things
Okay, praise the Lord. Ephesians 4, 17 through 24. This I say, therefore, testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk in the rest of the Gentiles' walk in the futility of the mind, having their understandings darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts, who, being past feelings, have given themselves over to lewdness to, to work all the uncleanness of greediness, but have not so learned Christ, indeed have heard him and have been taught by him as a truth in Jesus that you put off concerning the former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and having been renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put off, that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Okay, and so he's talking about putting off the former conduct, putting on the new conduct, um, and this is not a feeling. It's uh, this word means uh, this word holiness means to be. Um, set apart, devoted, dedicated to God. There's a devotion uh, that sets you apart. Linked with that is uh, for His service. And so uh, in true righteousness and true holiness, the Bible talks about, is where now this new nature in you, there's a devotion, there's a commitment, there's a dedication to God um, that I'm going to serve God, I'm going I'm to lay hold of God, um, uh, I'm going to uh, walk the walk and talk the talk, so to speak. So let me give you a bunch of scriptures just to write them down for your own, uh, your own purpose. Romans 12.1, you can write that down. Hebrews 12.10, Romans 6.19, 2 Corinthians 7.1, 1 Thessalonians 4.7. Any questions? Yes. The people pray in the street, the people come, the shore, uh, but the people in the morning, no Christian. Uh, 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 no, not till the morning. Uh, you understand? Yeah, no, that uh, uh, they, they're, the morning, doing, they're doing these things, but when they uh, go to work or they go to their daily affairs of life, then they don't, they're not a Christian. Is that what you're saying? No, no, in the morning. No, no, no type. Interpret for me. No type. No no type, no no offering. Oh, in the money. Oh, in In the the money. Not morning. Money, yeah. In the morning. Yeah, amen. Where your treasure is, there's your heart also. Yeah, when their money comes, when it comes time for offering, they're not Christian. We have a few of those in America too, Vicente. Uh, Not just in Mexico. Uh, But that's true. Um, If you're saved, born again, it's going to affect your money. Uh, God bless you. We need to close this morning. We'll pick it up next week. Um.